Hi, welcome to CEO Money. I'm Michael Yorba, your host, and my guest today is Justin Finchell. He is the co-founder and CEO of Beatbox Beverage. Justin, welcome to the show. Great to have, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Looking I'm forward to it. I'm glad you're here. Tell us about yourself, what you bring to the table, and how you've grown this company, and about Beatbox. Let's start with that. What is Beatbox? Sure. Well, we can start with what Beatbox is. So Beatbox is a, an 11% what we call portable party punch. So I've got our little 500 milliliter single serve Tetra Pak here. It's 11% alcohol wine-based kind of cocktails in portable eco-friendly packaging. We have multiple flavors. We have a blue raspberry and watermelon that you see here, as well as a fruit punch and pink lemonade. Um, we are distributed across 12 states currently and growing rapidly. Um, and it's just great for any party. You know, we also have a big bag and box product. That's what we kind of started with. It was a five liter um, bag and box, kind of like a box wine, but box party punch that's made for, you know, groups of large people that can bring it to the, the river, the lake, the tailgate, the kickball game, you know, the house party, you name it. It's just the most fun kind of packaging and, and product you could have. Talk to me about the uniqueness of Beatbox. What is it that separates you from anybody else in this industry sector? But we were the first, we're, we like to say we're the leaders in the party punch segment. And that's also because we're the only ones in the uh, party punch segment, but that makes us pretty unique. Um, never before had a cocktail flavored beverage been in a um, bag and box format. That's what we started with. Um, we had seen what was going on with um, box wine. So if you're familiar with like Franzia and Black Box and Boda Box, box wine uh, is incredibly popular. But we saw that there was a huge group of millennials that were buying boxed wine, not because they loved the taste of chillable red or sunset blush, but they were buying it because it was affordable, it was convenient, and you could bring it anywhere to the party with you. And so at the same time, we saw this explosion in what they call the flavored malt beverage segment, companies like Mike's Hard Lemonade and Lime, Bud Light Limeritas and Smirnoff Ice. And we said, why has no one made a millennial targeted, youthful, fun, energetic company centered around bringing people together and music and having a good time? And, that's what the original concept was, and no one had ever done that before. Um, in fact, uh, we had some some advisors that were like, "You guys are crazy with no industry experience, and this this product will never work." But it was because it was so different, and, and the alcohol industry is so tough. But because we were so different, people got excited about it, and our consumers absolutely loved it. Now, on that note, your revenues are skyrocketing. Tell us about this. Yeah, so we we started off, and and you know we we got going, and we did about. 50,000 in sales in our first year and then a couple hundred thousand year after that. Um, we got up to about 750,000 in, in 2017. Um, and then in 2018, um, we actually delivered 2.3 million in revenue. Um, and I apologize, we, were, we did about 1.1 million in 2017, 750,000 in 2016. So we've continuously, you know, kind of doubled the, the business here. And that came from uh, launching these, these products, the single serve product, which has a, a much larger um, account universe that it can be sold into, a 20 to 
five liter bag and box can't be sold very quickly out of your local gas station, you know, your 7-Eleven, your, your Circle K, your quick trips of the world, whereas this lives and breathes there, um, as well as a um, change in our actually in entire distribution footprint. We were distributed by um, wine and spirits wholesalers primarily, uh, and we switched over the last 18 months to the beer wholesalers that service the convenience store channel um, a lot more frequently with, with better merchandising than the wine and spirits wholesalers. And that's led to the number one thing you want in, in, in this business is more doors, more sales per door, um, more SKUs per door. And um, that's really been the catalyst here for explosive growth. We're actually on track to deliver about $6 million in sales this year. Now, the growth of the company is not just f uh, based on a superior product. There's got to be strategy behind it. You've got to be able to guide this to the point where the results hit the bottom line. Bring that part out. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We actually had a, a unique opportunity. We went on the, the TV show Shark Tank back in 2014. Um, we were, you know, three founders, you know, and an intern um, that were going on the show. And we walked out of there with a with a million dollar investment from Mark Cuban. And so at the time we had done about 200,000 in sales. We were in 100 doors in Texas and we expanded really far, really fast coming out of that show. And what we learned very quickly was without the proper infrastructure as far as the right sales team, the right um, marketing mix, the right product mix, uh, you really could run into a lot of issues trying to scale an alcohol business. And so I think the, the best thing that we did was quickly realize, okay, let's make a single serve product and let's hire an experienced sales team. To me, that has been the number one um, catalyst for, for the growth was, was realizing you gotta delegate tasks that you can't handle yourself um, and you got to bring in people that have that have been here before and have, have you know scaled alcohol brands before, and that's what we did, and invested heavily in our team, and that paid huge dividends by managing a very complex distribution network, a very complex um, set of retailers, and everything in between from operations to to marketing. Um, all of that needs to be working in sync to have a company be successful in this space. Obviously it is, and especially in your case. Now there's more to you than that because I understand that you have a culture that is really uh, catching on with millennials because they don't buy things because it's a cool product. They buy things because they believe in the management, the culture, and um, really the entire the entire background of who these people are because one of the things that I understand about your company and your culture here at Beatbox is that you you work with um, gender diversity here. You're not a, a male or an old-fashioned um, sexist-centric um, type of atmosphere. You, you bring the values of me, uh, millennials into the culture of the company so that it can go out and be far more accepted by that age group. Talk to me about that. There's a lot of things there. I think it starts with the authenticity of, of the founding team. Mm -hmm. um, we started this as millennials where we weren't some large alcohol conglomerate trying to make a product that was cool to millennials. Oftentimes you'll see products in the market that these big companies are trying to push out because they, some agency told them something or they think they have to be in that market, but they don't do it authentically. And our generation and even the generation uh, you know, below us now, the next gen, Gen Z generation, um, sees right through that. And so we, the entire founding team was obsessed with music festivals, you know, loved hosting parties, bringing people together. That lives at our core of the DNA of the, of the Beatbox brand, right? Bringing people together and having a good time. 
And that showed up in everything we did from the design of the product to the taste of the product to where we marketed the product, all of those things. And starting with the top as well, you know, Amy, um, one of our co-founders, a female, um, and, and to your point, there are, it, it is a, an issue in the alcohol space. Very few women in leadership positions, very proud within our organization, not only with a, a founding member of the company, but at every single level of the organization, from operations to marketing to regional sales, um, we have female leaders in the organization, which is very rare and unique in this space. Um, and, and the organic marketing mix is coming because we started this we are the we are the target consumer right and so that makes it a lot easier to market to to that consumer when you are that consumer exactly i applaud you on that now one other thing i wanted to cover before we close out the getting this thing off the ground because you originally started with friends and family round everybody uh pulling you know pulling in all the same directions on the funding part that's something not everybody wants to talk about bring that out for us so we self-funded it. The, the five original co-founders put scrounged up about $50,000 together. Um, we then did a few business school competitions and, and crowdfunding campaigns, and we raised another fifteen twenty thousand. dollars um, And then we took on family and friends' debt um, initially to get it going. Once we had traction, we actually got it off the ground from from having the you know the the product design, the manufacturing facility, the um, first ordering of bags and boxes, all done for under $50,000. And as we got them in the market and we needed to, to grow, we had a big opportunity within a, a chain um, in Texas. We took on 100,000 from friends and family. And that's when we started to realize, okay, this is, this is gonna be the real deal. Um, we need to raise money. And I think what we always said in the back of our minds is, is how far can we go? How far can we go as a, as, with our own resources and whatever we can get from, from friends and family before we have to raise a big um, check? And the reason was your valuation is always, at the rate we were going, was always higher the next day by doing more things. From having an idea for a product, that's great, but that's not gonna, you're gonna give up a lot of your company to, hey, we have the, all the legal permits, we have a product in the market, Oh, we have a distributor. Oh, we have a big retailer. Oh, we have outsourced manufacturing. All of these boxes that we checked along the way made it so that people felt comfortable investing more um, at a better value and allowing us to really grow. And then we started to look at opportunities to raise money in Austin and had the opportunity to go on Shark Tank. And, you know, obviously that the results were, were there. And then even since then, we've done two subsequent rounds. We've done a series that was a series seed round, the million from from Mark, and we've done a series A and now a series B. Um, you know, people always ask, you know, about fundraising. It's such a it's such a challenge and you don't have a business without funding, especially one that is losing money to, to scale. Um, you have to constantly kind of raise again. And, and it's about find, uh, hustling, networking, finding the right um, people. The, one of our one of our biggest investors was found through an Instagram DM. He was it was just, you know, it was, he was running a, a, a an account on Instagram that one of our other founders reached out to because he thought it could be a good pr cross promotion. Next thing you know, he was down in Austin and we worked out an investment deal there. So it can happen in all sorts of ways. But um, you got to get get yourself out there and and craft the right story and messaging and, and get people to believe in your vision. That's the key. Good, good note to end on. Justin, thanks for being a guest on our show today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, you've been watching CEO Money with Michael Yorba. Thanks for joining with us. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.